0: Upgrade your mind and reclaim your life. Let's get into it. Welcome back to Beyond the Body. I'm your host, Christina Slater. And today we are going to be talking about one of my favorite things ever, and that is leg day. So I'm going to be giving you guys some tips to optimize your leg day training. And if you're someone who has ever walked out of the gym on leg day feeling like you could have given more, Or honestly, just even been able to properly walk out of the gym on leg day. That, my friend, is about to end. Assuming that you implement these tips, I am about to provide. So if you do know me, you will know I am obsessed with legs. I am obsessed with thick thighs, with quads, with hamstrings, with fully developed round glutes. I love it. Um, Love working on my legs. I've been able to basically bring my legs from complete twigs back from maybe like 2014-15. To being very solidly developed today, working with my clients for leg development is one of my favorite things to do. So let's get into it. Now, one of the key and core principles for hypertrophy in general, which essentially just means muscle growth, is stability. Okay? So again, you can apply this across the board. Any exercise, no matter what we're talking about, you need to be stable in order to fully lengthen and shorten your muscles and in order to take them through the proper ranges of motion. And that's what we need to be doing to build and develop our musculature. So before you begin any exercise, you're gonna wanna ask yourself, do I have a stable base? Okay, so especially a stable core and stable footing. So you always wanna have a braced and or engaged core. That doesn't mean sucking in your stomach. It means stabilizing. Same thing with your footing. We want to make sure that your feet are locked down in place, especially for leg exercises. But again, that's going to apply across the board no matter what you are doing. Even if you're doing an exercise where you're like laying back on a bench, you want to make sure you are stable and secured against that bench. If you're not, you're not going to be able to optimally challenge your muscles through a proper range of motion. So let's start by talking a little bit about your hamstrings, okay? So your hamstrings are the muscles that are on the backs of your legs. So there is three of them, and they run basically from the base of your pelvis to your knees. Now, hamstrings are generally a more challenging muscle for people to build than something like your quadriceps, which are the muscles on the front of your legs. And you've probably heard the term quad dominance before. And basically what that means is just most people have an easier time engaging, feeling, and building their quads than the muscles on the posterior side, like your hamstrings and your glutes. So if you do have very developed hamstring muscles, it's kind of a sign in the fitness industry that you know how to train properly. Because it's very challenging to, I guess you could say, accidentally build your hamstring muscles if you don't really know what you're doing. When it comes to hamstring training, it's important to note that your hamstrings cross two joints. Okay, so they cross your hips and your knees. Now, why is that important? Because the number one hamstring exercise is your RDL, Romanian deadlift. And this is a pretty common exercise. You'll see it being done at the gym very frequently. The easiest way to explain this exercise, maybe for someone who isn't explicitly clear on what it is, is when you are standing, you're holding either dumbbells or a barbell, you're hinging over at your hips, lowering that weight down and standing back up, okay? So I want to talk about some common mistakes with that exercise and what you can do to remove those mistakes. So of course, there are many different ways to perform exercises, and it's going to depend a lot on your body structure and on your goals. But for the sake of what we're talking about right now, Um, I'm going to address the biggest mistake if your main goal with the RDL is to target your hamstrings, which the majority of the time it is. So a really common mistake with the RDL is moving your knees throughout the movement. So it's totally fine to have a slight bend in your knees. But if you are driving your hips back, as you should be to perform that hip hinge, and bending your knees at the same time, you are actually playing a zero-sum game. So as we talked about, your hamstrings cross your hips, they also cross your knees. So if you are hinging back with your hips and bending your knees at the same time, you're not actually optimally lengthening that muscle. You're not optimally lengthening your hamstrings because you are shortening some on one end and lengthening some on the other end. And so a significant amount of progress is being lost there. Now, in a conventional deadlift, you are going to be bending your knees as you are also going to be hinging at the hips. The difference here is that your conventional deadlift is typically more for strength. The point of that exercise is very commonly used to build strength. Whereas, of course, your RDL is also going to help you build strength, but it is way more isolated to be focusing on your hamstrings. So if you're performing a Romanian deadlift, or some people call it a stiff leg deadlift, You are not going to be wanting to change the bend in your knee throughout that movement. Pelvic stability is also going to be essential. And when you're performing your Romanian deadlift, you want to focus on not necessarily bending down. A lot of people just think they're bending over, but we want to actually be pushing and aiming our hips, so our glutes, back. You want to think about your butt going towards the back wall. And in doing so, your body is naturally going to come down because you're pushing your hips back. Now, the point in which your hips stop is going to be your full range of motion for a typical RDL. If you continue to lower your body after your hips have stopped moving back, your lower back is actually going to start doing that work. It's going to take over and it's going to take away the work from your hamstrings and probably more than likely leave you with a sore lower back. And that's one of the really, really common mistakes that we see all the time is people dropping their bodies too low. That's when their lower back starts to hurt. That's where they completely lose that mind muscle connection to their hamstrings. And all they can think about is, ouch, my back hurts. What am I doing wrong? Now, the next part of this exercise is when you're actually going to drive your hips forward. Okay? So, as you're doing that and you're coming up out of the lift, you wanna think forward and you wanna think down because remember, we talked about stability. So, as you're driving your hips slash glutes forward, you actually wanna also be driving your feet down into the floor as you stand up straight at the top. And you wanna make sure you don't overextend at the top. You do not need to thrust your pelvis forward. You just need to stand up with a straight spine. And speaking of the spine, this one I see really common. So at Cut and Conquer, we are very, very, very particular about form. We get our clients to actually send us in videos so we can review their form and give them feedback. And most of our clients have great form, but a big common mistake is their head not being in line with their spine. Okay. So you always, for every exercise, you want to have your head in line with your spine. So you don't want to be looking up. You don't want to be looking down. You just want to kind of have that neutral head position. Another thing is you're also going to want to keep the dumbbells or the barbell, whatever you're using, close to your legs. If you're holding it a large distance away from yourself, again, that is going to put that strain onto your lower back. So there is a lot going on with your Romanian deadlift, but it is such a great exercise for your hamstring development. So I recommend taking it slow. Implement those tips one at a time. Until it all starts to fall together and it will essentially end up becoming second nature to just perform it properly. The next one I wanna talk about is your lying hamstring curl. So if you train at a gym, you'll likely have access to a lying hamstring machine. If you train at home, you can definitely do a lying hamstring curl with a dumbbell between your feet as a variation of that. So a lot of feedback that I've heard from people who are performing a lying hamstring curl at the gym on a machine. Is that they feel it in their calves. So if you are feeling it in your calves and not in your hamstrings, it's likely that the placement of that pad is incorrect for you. Again, a lot of machines at the gym are fantastic, but unfortunately, they're not built for everyone's body. So you really have to make sure you're adjusting that machine properly for you. You're typically gonna wanna have that pad around your Achilles tendon on the back of your heel, or I guess I should say, like slightly above. The back of your heel. Also for the the basic general exercise, you don't want to have your toes pointed. Okay. There is a variation where you can do that, but you basically want to have your ankle flexed up. Now for the most important part, again, we're bringing it back to stability. So just like your RDL, stability is going to be a game changer for your lying hamstring curls. So you want to be driving your thighs, so the front of your leg, down hard into that pad or that bench, literally as hard as you can as you're bending your knees and bringing that machine up. This same concept is going to apply whether you're doing it at home with a dumbbell or even if you're doing like a kneeling hamstring curl at the gym. And now once you've put that into action, we want to make sure you get a full contraction. Honestly, I would say 90% of typical gym goers never fully contract their hamstrings because it hurts. (laughs) So you want to pull that pad up as far as you can to get your hamstrings into the fully shortened position. Now, if we're talking about a seated hamstring curl, it would be more like you're pushing that pad. But again, we want to fully shorten the muscle. We also want to get rid of that jerky motion. You'll see it all the time with both hamstring curl variations. Where people kind of just fling the weight down and it does that jerking motion at the shortened position. And if you're doing that, you're completely losing a large portion of the gains you could be making with that exercise. So we really want to be in control, in control of that eccentric contraction as well. We don't want to throw the pad, we don't want to lose contact with the pad. Now, if you're doing the lying variation again, We want to make sure that our pelvis is not lifting. Again, we talked about the importance of pelvic stability. And if you're lifting and lowering your pelvis throughout that movement, again, it's going to be taking work away from your hamstrings. Sure, doing that, the whole lifting, lowering thing, will make the exercise easier. And you're going to be able to load on more weight. But it's actually, you're going to be decreasing your returns. So... Leave your ego at the door, lower the weight, and make sure you do things right. Now, let's talk about your quads. So your quadriceps are basically the the muscles opposite to your hamstrings. So there's four of them. They're running down the front of your thighs. And a lot of the same concepts apply, but just in reverse. So your leg extension, so the, the machine where you are basically seated and you're going to extend your knee to fully contract your quad at the top. It also requires a lot of stability and a lot of control. So we want to make sure that we set up the machine properly. We lock that pad down so that our hips are not bouncing around. Um, We want to have our toes flexed up, so not pointed like a ballerina. Although again, there are variations in which you may want to do that. And we want to make sure we get that full contraction at the top. Again, a lot of people shy away from it because that full contraction hurts. And a lot of people end up doing shitty half reps because they're shying away from the discomfort of the full muscle contractions. So we don't want to just simply go through the motions. We want to think about the muscles we are working. So if you're working your quads, you want to initiate the movement with your quads. And again, you can apply that concept across the board. If you're doing a shoulder press, You wanna make sure you're initiating it with your actual deltoid muscles, not with your core, not with your legs with a jumpy motion. We wanna initiate with the actual target muscle that we're aiming to work. Okay? So before we go on to talk about your glutes, this would not be a leg day episode if we didn't talk about my number one favorite exercise of all time squats. Now, before we get into squats, I want to completely smash a few myths about squats, and that is that squats are the best exercise for glute development. They are definitely, definitely, definitely not. You absolutely can adjust squats and do squat variations to target your glutes more, Um, but squats are typically not a great glute and or hamstring exercise. They do hit both of those muscles absolutely 100%, correct? But they are not the best option for that. Another myth about squats is that wide stance targets more glutes and narrow stance targets more quads. And again, that is definitely definitely not correct. In some cases, in certain variations with certain individuals with certain body structures, there could be truth to that absolutely, but as a generalized statement, I really don't know where that came from. Um a wider stance squat is going to slightly favor your adductors and is slightly going to hit more of your inner size. Now, the placement of where you're loading the weight is going to make a bigger difference as to if it hits more quads or more glutes. Same with the actual positioning of your knees and your hips is going to make a lot of a bigger difference on what muscles you're hitting, quads versus glutes, than the width of your stance. So a couple basic principles that you can apply to Pretty much all squat variations, whether we're talking barbell squat, front squat, back squat, Smith squat, goblet squat, bodyweight squat, <laughs> any type of squat, even um, even like a leg press variation for that matter. Number one is drive your feet down. Again, stability. We want our feet locked in place. Even if you're doing a moving exercise like a lunge, when you plant that foot, it is locked down solid. Okay. Next one. Again, we talked about this one, core engagement. Number three is to Keep your body up. Now, again, it, this doesn't mean to like, hyper-extend your spine. When I say keep your body up, it means maintain that solid, upright posture. Okay, so there's times in which we might need a slight forward lean with our body, with our upper, like our torso, but that doesn't mean we want to let our shoulders round forward and our chest cave in. Number four is, again, keep your head in line with your spine. You'd be surprised how often we, like almost unconsciously, find ourselves looking up or looking down when we're doing squats. Number five is make sure your heels are not lifting and make sure your ankles are not caving in. Again, that happens very commonly. And a lot of the times we think it's something to do with our knees. Often it's actually to do with our hips. Okay. It can also happen if you are not working in the proper range of motion for your body. So if you're finding that happening, It's a good indicator that you might want to start by slightly reducing your range of motion until you can keep your heels and your ankles in the proper position. And then from there, work on increasing your range of motion. And if you're not quite sure what that means, it basically means the depth of your squat. Another really important concept for squats and lunges as well and leg press, all of those kind of variations are to ensure that your knees are traveling in line with your toes. Okay, so. As we've discussed a lot with our clients and on this podcast as well, your knees can absolutely go over your toes when you squat. Do they have to? No. But is it wrong for that? Absolutely not. And in some cases, that would be the way to perform a squat. However, we do want to make sure that your knees travel in line with your toes. So if you're doing a wider stance variation, you're going to want to make sure that your knees are not traveling in a narrower stance. They, You want to match up Where your toes are pointed with where your knees are also pointed. If you're doing a narrow stance, again, you're gonna wanna make sure your toes and your knees are also facing the same direction in that narrow stance. And finally, do not fall into a rep. We talk about this a lot with our clients. Do not lose tension. Time under tension is everything. We need that stability, we need that control. You should be in control of every single inch of your movement especially when you get into the bottom of the squat, because that's typically going to be the most challenging. And that's usually where people kind of start to fall into it. They're in control at the top, and then they just kind of dump their butt down and then pop back up, right? We want to be working. And it's a challenge because it's, it's hard. Like It's way easier to just kind of bounce through your squats, but we want to control everything. Now, I feel it's only fair we talk a little bit about the leg press, And a couple really important things with the leg press, even though it in some instances is very similar to a squat, your positioning and where you're loading it from is completely different. So because you can typically load a leg press quite heavy compared to how heavy you could squat, it is so important that your lower back is locked down into that seat. Because if your glutes lift and or your lower back lift off that seat, all of that load is going to go right onto your spine. And you can very, very seriously injure yourself in a split second on a lo- on a leg press if you're not focused and doing things properly. Now, another popular question we got a lot is where should you put your feet on the leg press? So... Of course, it's going to depend on your set. It's going to depend on your goals and what it's prescribed to you in your training plan. But kind of just for general information, typically the higher you put your feet on the platform, the more hamstrings and glute you are going to recruit because it's going to minimize your knee flexion, basically bending at your knee. So you're going to be using a little bit less quad. Again, a leg press is... Very similar to a squat, so it's not the best exercise for hamstring and glute development. Does it target those areas? 100% it does, but typically it's going to be a little more of a quad exercise. However, generally, the lower you put your feet on the leg press, it is going to recruit a little bit more quadricep. Okay? Again, it's not like a massive, massive difference from one to the other, but you can do those slight changes to bias the exercise to target different muscles slightly differently. And again, this is kind of similar to what we talked about with the Romanian deadlift at the beginning. So if you're putting your feet higher up on the leg press, within reason, of course, if you're a short person, you're probably not going to like launch them up to the top of the leg press. Like I'm pretty short. My legs wouldn't even reach the top. So again, if you're putting them at the top, it's going to emphasize the hip flexion by maximizing the travel at the hip and minimizing travel at the knee. So it's the travel at the knee that is going to typically recruit more quads. Okay. Um, When it comes to the wide stance versus the narrow stance, if you're doing a more hip open variation on the leg press, you're going to, again, bias that exercise slightly more to your adductor. So it's going to hit a little more of your inner thighs. So it's a good idea to do a variation of a few foot placements. Um, That doesn't mean you have to do a variation every single day or every single time you're at the gym. It just means over a period of months, it's a good idea to change up your foot placement on the leg press. Now, when it comes to your glutes, which I'm sure a lot of you have been waiting for, (laughs) my best suggestion for glutes and glutes were a muscle group that I struggled to build myself for quite a few years. You want to find exercises where you really, really feel your glutes in, okay? And you want to master those and master the feeling of your glutes engaging. Now, maybe you're someone who's like, I don't feel my glutes in any exercise. If that is you, the exercises that I would suggest are lunge variations and hip thrust variations, okay? It does take time to develop a mind-muscle connection, especially a mind-muscle t- connection to an exercise that... to a Sorry, a muscle group that may be lagging on you or that you may struggle to feel. But for myself and for my clients who typically struggle with glute activation, lunges and hip thrust variations are the ones that do it for them. As well, activating your glutes prior to your training session. So something with a band... Nothing too crazy. We don't want to overdo it with the activation because then we might lose it later on in the, in the workout, especially if you're not used to really feeling your glutes. But a few simple exercises, banded lateral squat walks before you start your, your glute day can also make a world of difference. Now, I know everyone loves or seems to love the whole glute cable kickback exercise. It's definitely not one of my favorites and I definitely wouldn't even put it in the top for a glute building exercise. I do perform them sometimes myself. I do have clients who perform them. However, because for most people, uh, most people have an office job where they're sitting a lot of the time and or if you do have a physical job, unfortunately, a lot of us use our back to do the work instead of our glutes. So with most of my clients in those situations, we will start by working on the more compound movements for your glutes first so you can get a really good understanding of how glute engagement should feel before we move to those isolated exercises like a glute kickback because if you're doing a glute kickback and you're trying to feel and you're trying to build your glutes but all you're feeling is your lower back you're literally taking yourself backwards and it's going to be that much harder for you to properly build and engage your glutes in the future again stability is going to be key for building the glutes as well as making sure you are initiating with the glutes. Again, like we talked about, a lot of people's quads like to take over. So you really want to think about your glutes starting the movement. A few other little tips that have helped me with my glute activation is adding in things like isometrics and um, like half reps So I don't recommend doing this on every exercise, but for something like a hip thrust, if you hold that hip thrust at the top and squeeze and engage the glutes at the top for even up to three to five seconds, it's really going to help you build that mind-muscle connection. As well as if you're doing lunges and you typically only feel lunges in your quads or the front of your legs, if you add in like a double pulse in control, a controlled double pulse, into your squats, um, especially, or sorry, into your lunges, like especially reverse lunges. That was something that really helped me target and feel my glutes. I'm also a big fan of step-ups and split squats for building the glutes. Of course, those are also going to target your quads. They're also going to help build your hamstrings, but they are fantastic glute builders as well. Now, I know a lot of people hate (laughs) lunges and split squats. If you hate them, it's probably a good indicator that you need to do more of them. But I think the one of the biggest reasons why people dislike those exercises is the balance component. A lot of people feel they don't have good balance, so they completely avoid those exercises. If you don't have good balance, it's going to be hard for you to have good stability, right? And stability, as we talked about, is key for building muscle. So a couple of little tips to help you with that stability, especially in exercises like lunges, especially walking lunges, split squats, step ups. Is look at the dumbbells when you're holding them. Like, make sure you're holding them in the middle and in the same spot on each side, because you'd be surprised how many people I've seen like doing walking lunges completely off balance. And they're holding like one dumbbell at the top and one at the bottom. Like, no wonder you're off balance. (laughs) Also, make sure you keep your chest up. Make sure you keep your shoulders down and back with your head in line with your spine. Pick a spot that you can see and focus on that spot and again make sure you drive the floor down push the floor down with your feet implementing all of that will absolutely help you out with your balance and that even applies like if you're doing a barbell squat for example make sure that barbell is centered i've seen people set up their squat and even if they have a really great squat like they're in the on the side they're using the barbell to the side And if you're like staggered with that barbell, it's actually quite dangerous. And you can really seriously hurt yourself, probably your back, if you're not setting up your exercises properly. So that is it. That is all for today's leg day episode. If you guys got some value, if any of these tips stood out, or if you're going to implement any of these tips, definitely let me know. Uh, Go ahead and take a screenshot of the episode. Share it to your Instagram story. You can tag me at Nyfina. Let me know that you are listening and I hope you guys have the best day ever and the best leg day ever. See you guys in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Beyond the Body. If you're getting value from the podcast, please don't forget to follow, rate and review. It really goes a long way. And if you're ready to take your mind and body to the next level and you want to work closely with me and my team, head over to my Instagram page at Nyfina and tap the link in my bio to fill in a coaching application to see if Cut and Conquer can help you transform your life.